If you don't have your Bible, please look on the uh, screen because we're going to uh, read um, these verses that we've been looking at uh, out of uh, Jonah. And in the event that you hadn't been able to be here in the last several weeks, for a number of weeks now, we've been studying about uh, the people in the Bible that God gave second chances to. And uh, these are not the only ones. The Bible is full from the Old Testament through the New Testament uh, of people that God gave second chances to. We've already studied about Peter and the disciples after the Lord was, uh, was captured and taken to be tried, how they denied him, but the Lord gave them a second chance after uh, the resurrection. Jonah is one of the great examples in the Old Testament of God giving a second chance. Others we're going to look at, the woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, Saul of Tarsus who became Paul the missionary, King David. King David is one of the greatest examples of God giving a man a second chance after adultery and murder and lying. And how about you and me? Do we need second chances to serve him? Do we need a second chance to trust him as our personal Savior? Well, I pray that God's going to speak. Let's pray and then we'll read the scripture, okay? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are in this place. And God, we do thank you that you give us all second chances. I pray for those that are here today that have not yet received your son as Savior, that, Lord, they might know even in this hour you're going to give them a second chance to say yes instead of no to your cleansing and healing blood. And, Lord, I pray for us as Christians. Lord, we get off on the wrong track and out of your will. And I thank you that you do give us many, many Second chances, Lord, to serve you in a new and fresh way. Help us, Lord, to learn from Jonah about the second chance that you want to give us. In Jesus' name, amen. Please listen as we read again these scriptures, chapter 1, some in chapter 2, and a couple of verses in chapter 3 that I'll read out of the Bible, okay? Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Jaffa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, went on board to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid and each cried to his God. And again, I want you to point out, that God here is little God. They're praying to just a multitude of gods that they, they are mistakenly worshiping. They threw the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call upon your God, little g. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we do not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then they said to him, and listen, here's five questions that they asked Jonah. Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. Number two, what is your occupation? Number three, which do you come? Number four, what is your country? And of what people are you? And Jonah in verse 9 said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, big L, the God, big G, of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. 
Then they said to him, What shall we do that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Take me up, throw me into the sea, then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring the ship back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried. Now listen, these sailors had been praying to God, little g. And who did these men cry out to? They cried to the Lord, big L. We beseech thee, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men, now listen to verse 16, these men get right with God and come to know the one true God. These men feared the Lord exceedingly. They offered a sacrifice to the Lord. And look what else. They made vows. They believed in God. And they said, God, we surrender. Commit ourselves to you. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. Verse 10. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon dry land. Two other verses I want to read to you. Chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaimed it the message that I tell you. Have you got it now? All right, let's try it now. Okay, this, I just feel like you'll be blessed by this, okay? was a man named Jonah who lived a good life and always obeyed God's laws. He thought of himself as a true man of God. Jonah was a hard worker. Through his labels, he was able to buy chickens and a donkey and a goat. One day, God spoke to Jonah. Jonah. Huh? Jonah. What was that? My earring ditch? Jonah. I am the Lord of God. There is a city called Nineveh far away. It is filled with people that have become wicked lives. They have forgotten about kindness and helping others. Why are you telling me about them, God? Because I want you to go there and tell those wicked people I am going to destroy them in their city because of their wicked ways. Ye yes, Lord, I will go, but they won't listen. They're evil. The more Jonah thought about it, the more uneasy he became. That night, Jonah did not sleep very well. No, it'll hurt me. Nineveh is so far. They'll laugh at me. No! Jonah was denying God's plan for him. Nineveh? Those people don't even know about God. Why should they believe me? They might even try to kill me. 
more Jonah thought about those wicked people, the more frightened he became. He decided to run away from God. That very night, he packed his clothes and hurried to the seaport. That the next morning, he saw a ship that was getting ready to sail far across the sea. Who? Oh, who goes there? Uh, Jonas, sure. Uh, please, Captain, let me come with you. I'll give you all my money for a place on your ship. Huh, looks like trouble to me. Yes, I wonder what he's running away from. Well, I guess we can find a place for you. Jonah boarded the ship and hid deep in the hold, as far away from God as he could. At last, he saw the anchor being drawn up onto the deck. At last, we're heading out to open sea. God will never find me now. I'm going to have a new life for myself. As soon as the ship was far, was far from land, God sent a storm. For no one can hide from God. Sent, God sent great gusts flying over the sea and waves tossing over the ship. Men, on deck, we're taking on overboard. Captain, we're sinking. We need to overboard the ship. Throw the cargo overboard. And all the sailors went under the, went, went inside the ship. Look, he's sound asleep. We need all hands on deck. Deck. Hey, wake up. Wake up. Come, we have no time to wake him now. As the sailors closed the door, Jonah War fell asleep. That uh, outside it was dark as night. The sailors began to throw the cargo overboard. Jonah ran up on deck. Only one thing will save the ship. Stop! Stop! You must throw me into the water instead. What are you saying? We can't throw an innocent man into this angry sea. Listen! God has sent this storm to punish me. Punish? Why? I tried to run away from him, and now he has found me. If we throw him over now, he'll surely drown. But the wind and the waves are too much for us. We have no choice. The sailors grabbed Jonah and threw him into the sea. The sea became calm. Down, down, down into the sea sank Jonah, gasping and nearly drowning. But God was not yet fi finished with Jonah. He sent a big fish to swallow Jonah in one gulp. Jonah found himself in the stomach of a great fish. Oh, it's so dark in here. What will become for me now? Maybe... God will still hear me. Jonah turned to the Lord. Lord, thank you for saving me. Inside the fish, Jonah prayed for three days. I'm sorry I tried to hide from you. Please let me out of this terrible prison. I will do as you commanded. God heard Jonah and knew he had changed. He made the fish spit out Jonah onto the land. Thank you, merciful Lord, for delivering me safely to land. Now, Jonah, go to Nineveh and tell those wicked people I am going to destroy them. Yes, Lord.
I'm listening. I'm on my way. Jonah entered the city, calling to the people. People of Nineveh, listen to me. The Lord God will destroy you and your city. Stop your wicked ways. What? Did you hear that? You have angered God. He says the Lord is angry with us. Why? What have we done? You are vain and selfish. Maybe if we change our ways, we've been too concerned with our fancy clothes. You are greedy and unkind. We should share our riches with the poor. You are wasteful as the poor star. We've been eating too much and not caring about our hungry neighbors. It's true. We've been selfish. God will punish you. We must all pray to the Lord for forgiveness. The people heard Jonah pray to God and, be, and began mating their ways. Meanwhile, God, Jonah climbed a hill above the city and sat down to watch God dis- destroy it. He waited and waited. I feel like a fool. All my work has wasted. God is not destroying Nineveh. Jonah. Yes, Lord. Jonah, will you never learn my love? My love is great. It is greater than my anger. And it is for all my creatures. Didn't I give you another chance? Yes, you did. Now I am giving the Ninevites another chance. Go now, Jonah, and try to love as I do. Then you will be a true man of God. Yay for God! He has forgiven us! Yay! Rah! Hooray! So Jonah began his long journey home and tried to love as God had taught him. The end. The most important line I believe in that is where the young girl says that God said, my love is greater than my anger. Look, you might have think we wasted seven minutes. I hope you don't. To me, that was a powerful reminder from the perspective of a child that God wants to give us a second chance. And and folks, you know, I've, I've got all these notes. I'm I've got a lot of scripture to read, but I, I just want to highlight what I wanted to share with you this morning. Things obviously didn't work out time schedule as we were hoping. But folks, let me rem- remind you, and we started on this last week, Jonah's rebellion stemmed from having the wrong attitude toward God. And let me, and, and D, just don't worry with following me on the scriptures. Just, just let, me, let me point these wrong attitudes out that Jonah had. First of all, Jonah got in trouble because... He had the wrong attitude toward the will of God for his life. You know, you and I, we have this perception that if we surrender to the will of God, that our lives will be miserable, it will be no fun or excitement, that people will reject us. And more than anything else, I believe, we feel that if we surrender to the will of God, then we won't get to do what we wanted to do. That basically means to be in control. And folks, I promise you that I have found and the Christians that really I I know that are surrendering themselves to God, there is a fullness of life and the greatest joy of living. 
and fruitfulness in life when we are surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. When we are in the center of his will is when our lives are at its greatest. Jesus was always in the center of the Father's will. In one place he says, my food is to do the will of the Father. Jesus received spiritual nourishment from being in the center of God's will. Jesus said that as we are in the center of God's will, our minds and our hearts will be more and more enlightened about who God truly is. And folks, so often we don't know much about God because we're like Jonah. We're in the bottom of a ship and we're headed to Tarshish instead of being in the center of his will. And being in his will means that we will be equipped to meet the needs of others and to serve in Jesus' name. To be in the center of God's will means that we will witness God's love in action. And folks, one of the powerful things about Jonah chapter 3 is after Jonah preaches, guess what? People repent and get right with God. And there's a great revival in Nineveh. Folks, one of the things that needs to happen, I believe, in our world today is that the church needs to be in the center of God's will. We need to be living the will of God. We need to be sharing the will of God. And when we do, our world will repent and turn back to God, and we will witness God's love in action. Just like the little girl said, greater is the love of God than the anger of God. And we, and I'm so guilty of this, we can stand around and talk about how evil and bad our world is, but until we get into the center of God's will as a church, as the body of believers, then God cannot work in the world until we shine his lights for him. Folks, there's a second reason that that Jonah had the wrong attitude. Jonah had the wrong attitude toward the word of God. You remember last week as we studied verse 1, it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Folks, when the word of God came to Jonah, he thought, I can take it or I can leave it. And, you know, I truly believe that is the world that we're living in today, even as Christians. How many of us take that approach to the word of God today? And let me ask you as a non-believer, and again, I'm not trying to just preach down on you or judge you. I do not mean it that way. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Those are words of our Lord, and we cannot take them or leave them. We're either born into the kingdom of God by the plan that Jesus has for us, or we reject him and we're eternally lost. And that's just the way it is. I mean, that's the word of God. Jonah thought he could take it or leave it. And you see, the church of Jesus Christ has heard so often the great commission in Matthew 28. The resurrected Lord says, go ye into all the world. The church has had heard what Jesus said in Acts 1.8. You shall be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, unto the uttermost parts of the earth. But are we taking the word of God serious? Have we got that attitude that I can take it or leave it? I'll do what I want, and the rest of God's word and God's will, I just push it aside. But Jesus and Luke chapter 6, verse 46, and just make that note in your mind. Luke 6, 46, Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Aren't we guilty of that? And I'm talking to myself. God impresses upon our heart as a church, as individual. These are the things that I want you to be busy about doing. But we don't do them. 
And Jesus is saying, how can you call me Lord, Lord? And the words Lord, Lord means how can you say that you're bowed in your heart and your mind to me when you don't do what I tell you? Folks, you remember the story of the seven churches in Revelations 2 and 3. And there's only a couple of the churches that are being faithful to the Lord and doing his will for them. They're all saying that we're a church of Jesus Christ, but few of them are actually doing what Christ has told them to do. God commanded, you remember verse 2, there were imperatives, arise, go to Nineveh and cry against it. You see, when God commands us to do something, we must listen and we must obey. Disobedience should not be an option we take. And Jonah forgot that it was a privilege to be a prophet, to hear the word of God, and to know God's will. And can that be said of you and me as a church? Have we forgotten the great privilege it is to be a Christian church? Have we taken for granted that we have the Word of God. And if you'll come to the average Baptist church or evangelical church, that you will hear the Word of God, whether it's from the pulpit or in the Sunday school classroom. Have you and I taken for granted the will of God for our lives? God has a purpose and plan. Perhaps you get sick and tired of hearing preachers say that or Sunday school teachers. But folks, it is the truth. And it's not something where you're shooting in the dark because the Lord wants us to understand his word. He will explain it to us through his word. His will can be known through his word, through the example that Jesus set and through the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And folks, listen, Jonah forgot what God had already done through his life. You remember we mentioned 2 Kings where Jonah had been blessed of God and by God as what Jonah had prophesied had come through. Folks, I want to point something out about Jonah that you and I need to learn about ourselves. None of us are immune to the temptation to give up and quit. Moses, Elijah, Jeremiah also felt like giving up and quitting. But Jonah would not let them because God had a greater plan, a greater work, greater victories ahead for them. Folks, it's human nature to to want to give up. It's human nature to do something over and over again and we get bored and we get tired and we get burnt out. But let me tell you something that Paul writes in Romans eleven twenty nine. Again, I hope if some of these verses, if you want me to tell them to you again after the service, I'll do that. Romans eleven twenty nine. And the immediate context of this is that God is speaking through Paul that he's going to save Israel, that it is his desire that the Jewish people come to know him. But folks, listen to this verse and apply it to you and to me and to the church. For the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. And in the living version... Living Bible, it translates it this way, for God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. He will never go back on his promise. Folks, you and I, after we're born into the kingdom of God, have a calling upon us. This church has a calling upon us to be in the center of God's will. And that's irrevocable. Yes, we can say, no, God, we don't want to do that. We can say that as a church. We can say that with our lives. But folks, God has an irrevocable call for my life and your life. I'll never forget the minister at my home church said when I was in college, and he said I was just home one one Sunday, one weekend visiting, and he said this in a sermon. He said, once you get called, you can't get uncalled. And that is born in my heart over the years. It's burning my heart too. 
And, and again, I'm not just talking about ministers. I'm talking about churches. I'm talking about being a child of God. Folks, it is truly in doing the will of God that we grow in becoming like Christ because Christ always sought to stay in the center of the Father's will. And folks, there's another thing. Jonah had the wrong attitude towards circumstances. You know, Jonah thought that everything was working in his favor when in reality they were working against him. Listen, he decided, I'll go down to Jaffa. I'll find a ship. When he got there, a ship was waiting for him. He had enough money in his pocket to pay the fare. He even went down into the boat and went sound to sleep. Jonah is out of the will of God. It still seems like circumstances are working out for him. And I believe that he truly thought he had hidden from God. I believe his concept of God had gotten so small that he thought down in the ship he would be hidden from God. But folks, guess what? God and his great love, and let me underscore that, his great love and his providence was preparing Jonah for a great fall. And, you know, sometimes, you know, we talk about people that have addictions that they can't turn around until they hit rock bottom. You know, sometimes in our spiritual lives, when we're out of God's will and we're running from him, you and I cannot turn around until we hit rock bottom. I believe sometimes God allows conflicts in church and churches to begin to falter and fail because they need to see that they're out of God's will. They need to get back into God's will. And sometimes it takes a fall of the church to bring God's people back. And folks, listen to this. How did God bring Jonah back into his will? Jonah would fall. He would literally be thrown out of a ship and swallowed by a great fish. But guess what? God's grace would lift him up and give Jonah a second chance. Praise God. Praise God. Jonah had also the wrong attitude toward the Gentiles and toward the lost. You know, as you read this story, and again, I hope you've read these 48 verses, these four chapters. Instead of wanting to go to the Assyrians... And instead of wanting the Assyrians to find the true and living God, Jonah wanted to abandon them to darkness and spiritual death. Jonah hated those sinners in Nineveh. And folks, he determined that he was not going to do anything to help them. Matter of fact, he might have even thought that if he helped the Assyrians find God, they might turn against Israel and attack and destroy Israel, and it would be better for them to perish than to know God. And folks, as I was studying and preparing for this, the question suddenly dawned on me. Surely if you and I, our church is in the will of God, we're going to live for Jesus. Isn't that right? If we're in the center of God's will, we're going to be living for Jesus. You know what that means? We'll be preaching and teaching Jesus regardless of what the world tells us to do and how wrong they think preaching and teaching Jesus might be. And if we're in the center of God's will, we're going to be witnessing for the Lord Jesus. Is that not right? You know, if a young child can stand in a pulpit and tell a Bible story, why can't we publicly stand and share the little bit that we know about God? And I say little bit, and I'm not insulting your intelligence because many of you would say, well, I don't know that much about God. Listen, if we've been born again into the kingdom of God, we know as much as we need to know to share with others. It happened to us. It can happen to you. And folks, if we are in the center of God's will, we're going to love others in the name of Jesus. And you know what will happen when that happens in us? 
the result will be that others will turn in repentance and faith to Jesus. And let me ask this question, and, and I'm finished. Do we really want that to happen? Do we really, really want the lost world outside of these doors to know Jesus? Folks, if we do, we need to yield ourselves completely and totally to the Lord. We need to be in the center of his will, not by name, but in action and in motive and passion. Folks, we need to be about the Father's business. The fields are white under harvest. That's what Jesus said. Can you imagine the opportunity that Jonah, Jonah had? Nineveh was one of the greatest cities in the world at that time. Some estimate even in that time that there's probably over a half of a million people in the city of, Jonah, uh, of Nineveh. Folks, that's on the level of Billy Graham having a crusade. And Jonah begins to go through the streets and begins to cry out, repent, repent. He forgets about being scared. He forgets about people laughing and heaven spit him on him. And he just shares Jesus. Folks, that's what the Lord wants us to do. Let's pray. Father, sometimes the time seems to go so fast. And Lord, our life is is going by quickly too. Help us to see that. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here that, Lord, you've been dealing with their heart about simply turning in faith and repentance and believing in your Son as Savior, I pray, Father, that they would receive Jesus, that they would acknowledge that they must be born again, but the only way to be born again is through your Son. May they come, walk this aisle as a profession of their faith in your son and their new birth and father pray for us lord god if there's ever been a time in which the church of jesus christ needs to be in the center of your will is right now truly father many are lost even within our family and circle of friends and neighborhood and co-workers Father, may they know not just that they're a member of Theresa Baptist Church or a Baptist, but may they know that we are a follower of your Son and we seek to be in the center of his will. Father, have your way and your will in these moments of invitation. Father, help me to understand that I can't save anybody and I can't draw anybody closer to you except through living for you. And so help me, Father, as a Christian, to live before others, that they can see Jesus in me and that they'll be encouraged to serve you. Forgive me, Father, of my many sins and shortcomings. Give me a second chance to be found faithful unto you. In Jesus' name, amen.